Welcome to the Personal Trainer Collective podcast, the only resource for personal trainers who are fed up with the status quo. If you want to stay ahead of the competition, build a thriving business and have the freedom to work on your own terms, you've come to the right place. Without further ado, let's take your confidence and education to the next level with this week's episode. Welcome back to the PT Collective Podcast and we're going back in time many a years ago because I've got one of my shredded by science coaches on today who is a, a new dad. Um, he decided that one wasn't enough so he decided to have twins for, for his first attempt. Uh, Mr. Rob Sand, how are you? You're very well, thanks mate. How are you? Very good. Uh, after my nightmare of green screen trying to film changing of outfits, I'm like... Relax now. I've had a corned beef, cheese, and pickle sandwich. If you didn't, have you had it before? Corned beef, cheese, and pickle. Yeah, definitely have it. Try it out. It's definitely. Um, I'll, have to, I'll have to give that one a go. I think definitely. Yeah, but apart from that, I'm good. I'm excited for the podcast. Um, so, Rob, introduce yourself in like a minute of who you are currently, and we're going to go back in time for when you first well applied to be a shredded by science coach. Yeah, so uh, I'm Rob. I work as a online fitness coach. Well, I've got my own online fitness coaching business, I should probably say. Um, I now work specifically more so with dads. Um, and yeah, obviously we've known each other, what, seven, six, seven years ago? We, we It was maybe 2014, Yeah. Um, and so I think I was probably the very, the last ever uh, shredded by science coach that you had and um and yeah so that's where my online coaching journey started um and obviously it's got me all the way to this point so without that i probably wouldn't be where i am today to be honest with you but yeah i am also a dad of twins to uh well to obviously eight month olds um and yeah it's quite a, a whirlwind when you go from having no kids one day to then the next day there's two of them uh, yeah quite a, quite a difference Definitely like the deep end, just to, I couldn't imagine to, in one go. Exactly, it was like, and everyone always asks, like, 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 so how did you react when you found out? And to be fair, when we went for the the scan, the woman was like, oh, just before we start, I've sort of got something I need to share. And we were thinking, oh, no, like the worst yeah. possible thought. And she went, it's twins. And I just sort of, like, jumped up shouting, celebrating. And Ellis looked like she'd seen a ghost, but started smiling about a minute later. So, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, quite something. Nice. Was there twins in the family beforehand, or no? I don't. I don't think there was. Not like, not close. It normally close, skips yeah. a generation, doesn't it? I think it maybe skipped two or three, but there was nothing okay. really, nothing really close. The interesting thing is, apparently, when you've already had twins, your chances of having twins again like massively increases. It's like one in twelve or something like that. Oh crap! So that'll be that'll be uh, interesting. You, you literally got buy one get one free deal. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, <laughs> exactly. Right, so I think it was probably around 2014 when we, I know I'd started officially Shredded by Science. I know I started online personal training myself in 2012. Then Shredded by Science was born, I think, August 2013. There's three coaches. We then obviously scaled to 12 coaches. I'm trying to think of, uh, my memory's really bad. So like when I go on Facebook, like once every half a decade 
I, I then look back on some of the content. It's quite good now. You've got filters. So you can go back to certain years and see what was going on there. So I think it was, it would have been 2014 sometime, I think. Because then we went to, obviously, the Shredded by Science Academy. And we went away from sort of coaching people to get shredded online, hence the name, to then obviously educating personal trainers all around the world. And that was, the first launch of that was September 2015. So I know you was in there between 2014 and 2015. Um, but how did you, how long was you a PT before you knew of Shredded by Science? And like, how did you know of SBS? So, I mean, I think I just come across SBS. It had been on Facebook rather than Instagram because Facebook was more the thing then. And it was just yeah. like, coming across the content and um, I was actually just doing a little bit of PT on on the side and I was working for a, a supplement uh, sort of distribution company at the I time. I remember. And, uh, and yeah, it was like, it was just very different to anything else that was really out there. Like obviously with it being based on like scientific principles and obviously evidence-based stuff and who else was sort of involved. Um, yeah, it was just completely different and, and straight away it sort of like um, grabbed my interest and then, you know, from there just ended up following your content and then eventually it was a case of like, we're looking for coaches and I just sort of threw my hat in the ring. Yeah, and um, when we was looking for a coach, I remember we we was getting the website developed because it was really important at the time. If I look, maybe something I know basically the process of this podcast will be find out a little bit about Rob early SBS days. Then we're going to talk about where he is currently now and sort of that, how he transitioned from doing online coaching under a company to then having his own company to where he is today. And then you've got to stay around to the end because I've made notes as in like, if I was to do, if I was to go back and do Shredded by Science today, what would I do differently today? So make sure you stay to the end. That's the little, that's the little carrot to keep them going, Rob, to keep them listening all the way to the end. So that's how we do it. I love yeah. it. I mean, EastEnders. Um, can you remember the hiring process? Because Shredded by Science was my baby and, and still is my baby because that was my first business. Um, and for me, but as we said, Twitter was a thing back then, but then Facebook at that time, we I don't, I don't even think we had an Instagram account for Shredded by Science. It's sort of my online coaching marketing went from Twitter to Facebook, to Instagram, to YouTube, to Snapchat for a period of time back in them days. Um, can you remember the hiring process? Because that was the biggest concern for me was not a lot of, I don't know, I think Shredded by Science and even PTC, I've always been the sole company director, the founder. There's like, there's never been anyone else on board. And with Shredded by Science, to find really good coaches was hard. And then to then allow those coaches to represent my baby, the brand SBS was even harder. And I purposely had like a very vigorous hiring process. Can you sort of talk the, the listeners through what that was? Honestly, it was the most vigorous, intense hiring process I've ever come across. Like, I remember there was about seven or eight stages to it before you even got to like the interview, interview stage. Um, and I remember literally every single stage was just getting like harder and harder. And I remember genuinely being sat there at like until two in the morning for multiple evenings thinking, I ain't got a chance. I ain't got a chance. Like seeing some of the people that had applied and commented and stuff, but I thought, you know, what? I'm going to do it anyway. Um, 
and and then as if by magic every week i'd get an email through saying congratulations you've made it through to the next stage um but yeah it was it was intense but then also you, you know you can understand that because like you say it was your baby people are representing not just you but like your brand yeah um but yeah, like once I'd sort of got my way through that, I was thinking I'm not sure I could do that again, to be honest with you. But it was, yeah, it was there for a reason, obviously. Yeah, and, and we found a good one with you. And I think all, all of the coaches that we ended up taking on board, there wasn't one coach where I was like, oh my God, how did I let them slip through the net? Rob's beer, it, it was a while ago. There wasn't six, seven stages. I think it was either three to four. So I remember the first stage being... Um, Send me through your CV and sort of like a cover letter, like 500 words of why you feel like you should be a good personal trainer. I think we had probably around 120 people submit that. And then I just went through them very cutthroat. I think, I don't know, Lawrence probably was working for me at the time. And we just went through it. Yeah, he was, because I remember doing the interview process, me and him, and then asking certain questions and having scoring criteria. That's what I because when I was working at a college, that's what I ended up doing a couple of interview process there and sort of using the same scoring format, etc. So the first stage was a CV and a cover, like a cover letter. And then I just filtered out idiots that had stupid qualifications or whatever it would be. And I think we shortlisted down to maybe 30, between 30 and 40. And then the next step was, I don't know if this was two steps or I think it was one step. You had to create, because at the time, Obviously, we were putting out content on Facebook, but I think us and the strength guys were the only ones that would really be putting out science-based content on Facebook, actually having references in the post. And you can go and look for like, just go personal trainer collective and scroll all the way down to 2013, 14, 15. And you'll see the types of posts we were doing. And you had to then create a, a Facebook post. Um, so that was like a real telltale sign of like, well, how good... Are you at writing uh, how good are you actually understanding the science and interpreting that information and making it more user-friendly because that was our thing it was taking the science the complex science stuff and just trying to make it simplified to the people that were the target market and then we gave you a case study where i think we had two different options it might have been more bodybuilding one maybe powerlifting i can't remember exactly and then you had to sort of do a detailed four-week plan and then a 12-week mesocycle with like nutrition justifications and stuff like that and how you would change stuff. Then uh, that went down to, then I think I shortlisted six people for interviews. And I was like, cool. And I we didn't even have a waiting list. Like we literally, me, Danny Grooch, Ali, poor Will, um, he, we launched... And we couldn't take any clients on because we was waiting for our website, which was going to have PayPal integrated for people to sign up. And um, it got delayed and delayed and delayed. So good thing for us was that we couldn't start off straight with the, give us money, give us money. We literally was just posting content and be like, website be ready next week. Next week was next month. Next month was the month after that. Then when we launched, we hit client capacity, like within like three of us. And the hard, the thing was, which again was probably why shredded by when we look at it like yourself you was already working doing a lot of the tr tr uh, trainers were doing uh in person personal training alongside us then giving them online coaching clients so there's always that thing of in like oh rob can take on these many clients ali can take on these many clients so there was always 
a limit to what we could, how many clients we could take on. And we didn't have a waiting list and I didn't have the intention to even hire six people. But the six people that did the interviews, we hired all six of them. I was like, okay. Um, part of the process now is you need to be posting one piece of content at least per week. If you want to post more, you can post more. It, it means like you've got more availability. People are going to get to know Rob more. They're going to like your style. Therefore, when they completed the the form to apply, we would then, my decision would then go, well, who's got availability and who do I feel was the best suited for that type of client? Um, and yeah, I remember even though we had the questions, ultimately the scores were the scores. The final question that I had was, can I see this person representing my brand? If the answer was no, even if they scored high on the, the interview questions, I was like, then I'm going to say no. But I think it was six out of six. We may have had eight interviews. I can't remember what it was, but I ended up taking on six coaches. We had no clients ready for them. So there uh, you go. Do you know what, right? When you went through the interview process there, I remember the case study being the really demanding bit. Yeah, that like, was. Really full on. But but then you look back and you go, well, that obviously had a massive positive effect because it meant you were filtering out people that didn't have the same, didn't align with how you would coach people. I remember, you know, I think I remember Lawrence pulling out, yeah, people just sent in like real generic meal plans and X, Y, and Z. And it's like, yeah, that's not really how we do it. Um, but yeah, I remember, I remember the case study in particular being the bit where I was like, wow, this is like, this is really intense, but in, in a positive sense. And ultimately it gives you an opportunity to, to show that you, you know, you know what you're on about. And also if you share the same, uh, values, if you like, as well as, yeah. as what you were looking for. So why didn't you try it on your own, Rob? Why didn't you? Why didn't you say, all right, I'm not going to go with, because the brand was, it wasn't overly strong at that time. I think one of the things that did work well was obviously we were myself, more so, was associated with the science crowd, so like Eric Helms, Brad Schoenfeld, and Aragon, etc. And I remember. I'll say it quickly, people may have heard me say it before, but I remember we agreed to get Eric Helms to come over for a conference and we, we the name of the uh, the seminar was going to be Shredded by Science. And I was, at that point, I was Luke Johnson PT and Jamie told me she was pregnant. I've made X amount of money doing it on my own, but I wanted to have a business of coaches. I wanted to, to, to grow it that way. So then I was trying to come up with names for the business. And that by that point, I was heavily into marketing stuff less science-based papers and like okay if i want to grab business i need to stop looking at research reviews and science like going on like pubmed um and i remember at mcdonald's drive through jamie was going to get um girlfriend jamie uh pick it up from where the mcdonald's and now i thought why don't I call the business shredded by science? Because at the time, the best I had was ripped by research. So I knew that I had to create a name that would basically appeal to young dudes that wanted to get shredded to get sex um, and repel the clients that I did take on, which I shouldn't have taken on as one-to-one -one online coaching clients. So yeah, I thought, actually, I'm just going to use shredded by science. I'm going to use that and shredded by science company are bringing over Eric Helms so then therefore the conference wasn't named Traded by Science but the company was and we was just bringing Helms over to do his seminar on like natural bodybuilding so I feel like we didn't have a massive brand 
at that point. So why did you decide to not try and go it alone and build your own personal brand and and try and get online clients yourself? Why did you do it under the SBS brand? I think it was definitely something that I wanted to do. I wanted to be in the position where I was working for myself, basically where sort of where I where I'm at now. Yeah. But I saw the opportunity come up and I just didn't really I didn't second guess it. I just thought, yeah, I'm gonna go for that. Um again, wasn't really convinced that I would be in with a shout of a of a position. Mm-hmm. But ended up in, in that position and um and yeah, I just enjoyed the fact that, you know, I I learned a lot within those couple of years as well in terms of like coaching people, uh, not just like the, the technical side of things, but understanding more people and what makes people tick and, you know, the sort of psychological element and looking at people's behaviours and why they do things and that sort of thing. Um, so I gained like so much experience in that time, you know, you, you make mistakes as well when you, you start out. Um, I remember that very early on. And so from where I was when I first started with you to when, you know, it transitioned to, you know, the business that you've got now was, was sort of like night and day, to be honest, both in terms of like my confidence in myself, my knowledge, which obviously I got from, from you and everyone else. Um, and just experience in terms of like helping people achieve the results they wanted, basically. Would you recommend people in 2022 to, because there's still companies around that take on coaches and stuff like that. Like I'll, I'll just be open and transparent with like the percentages. When I, it was me and Danny Grooch, I gave him 75%. So I took 25%. Then when I took Ali on, he was on 70%. Then when I think I took the yourself on or a few others, then it was on a, a scale of because at that point as well I had conferences I was over the VAT threshold and I'm like fuck well, VAT takes 20% so I'm like well I'm I, I, all the coaches that business model would have required me to either have a large percentage majority of share or uh, to have a shed ton of coaches and therefore a ton of thousands of, of, of clients and I was like no nah, I, I don't I don't think that's the best way to go about it so what I did with use, I think I started off at 60%. And it was like, if you had between one to five, it'd be on Google Drive somewhere. If you had one to five, you would say at 60%. If you then had between six to 10, then it would go up to maybe 65. And then it's sort of like a percentage scale based on how many clients um, you currently had like per month uh, active clients. So would you recommend someone today where you were in your career like starting out would you recommend going to coach underneath a company or would you say actually you could probably do it on your own right now which what would you sort of signpost people to i think the real positive of going and doing it under another really established company like i did is you get the opportunity to get people great results learn how to coach like you ultimately because you can do all the theory and 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 stuff that you like, you like, but you ultimately learn how to coach on the job when you're actually dealing with different people. And I think the real benefit of that, like it's benefited me, is then when I did move into doing it by myself, I had multiple years worth of experience, um, and and it ultimately means that you don't have to worry about any sort of marketing initially because I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to do any of that. My job was to to coach, to put out one to two pieces of content for your week. And that was it. So I think definitely if, if people were in the position that I was at the start when I was right at the very beginning, then I think it would be, you know, 
a really good opportunity for people to do exactly that, especially if you're if it's coaching the sort of people that you want to coach and you're again, I mentioned earlier, your values align with with that particular company, I, I would say one hundred percent. And I think there's probably examples nowadays where people have done exactly that and then now their own businesses has gone and, and flourished. Yeah. I feel like most personal trainers always find marketing and sales really hard. So when you are younger in your career, it's sort of like most people are not, well, I'll take that back. If they've just done the level three then, and they've not actually studied anything further than the level three, they're crap. Um, but people, and even from when I was younger, like the whole business, the marketing, the finance side of things, the sales, that was the hard bit. And I suppose with, within the brand, because you used to do all the sales calls in the end, didn't you? Yes, and, what- and I... And- and I'd never really had like beforehand. I'd never really had an enormous amount of sales training. You just put we went through it, but you just put a lot of trust in me. And in yeah. the end, like as I'm sure we'll we'll come to the last pretty much the last year while you know I had coaching clients through you. You were basically just like, look, there's no one else. Everyone else had moved on to doing other things. You were transitioning towards obviously the Shredded by Science Academy. Um, and you were like, look, you are basically our coaching team. Like, it's just you. So you take the sales calls. Um, in the end, like you mentioned about the, the percentage side of things there, and I remember that, that's exactly right. But whether I should say this or not, I don't know. But I remember eventually you were just like, just do your own payment link and just take it yourself. Yeah, um, so that's, that's why I wanted you on there because there's stuff that I don't remember. But- yeah, I remember that. I remember you being like, look, I'm taking a percentage of this. You've got a, a large amount of clients through us. Mm-hmm. Just take it yourself. Um, so you still had to do all the other, all the all the other work, even though you weren't necessarily marketing towards, you know, the the yeah. clients that we we wanted, and it was more towards personal trainers. We were still getting applications through all the time. Yeah, uh, and in the end, like I say, you were just like, yeah, it's all yours, basically. There you go. I'm a nice guy, and I can't remember that I'm nice. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> And even from like the sales perspective, I feel like because back in them days, like organic reach was really fairly decent. I don't think it was, I never had any formal sales training. It was just because we put out so much valuable content, the call was really easy. And when we used those questions, set up the like six to seven questions and the, the, some of the more emotional, some of like they're positioned in that way. And then I remember just sitting down. I can't even remember, like, maybe I did went for sales training or it, it was a webinar or something that I'd go through. And it was just like, get to know them, find some common ground, um, and go f- beforehand, go through their answers, highlight certain key things, where, things that you can actually come, like, get across. And you, it's not anything. You'd close probably, I, in my, what I feel, like 90% of the people that I want to call because they already had a connection with the brand. And the call was just to put them at rest to make sure that it was the right thing for them. And the call was also for us, as in making sure that they were the right people for us. Because back then, I don't, there weren't no type forms or like you could have conditional, you could have conditional logic then. Because we used a thing called um, gravity forms. But there was no sort of filtering out people that wasn't the right fit for the brand because our brand was so strong and the messaging was so strong and the target market was so specific that the people that booked in the call knew and the price i think at that point we had the prices on the website because it was one of those where it's like if you ain't got clients don't have prices because you don't you can't really 
like get across the true value of it so if i said rob my coaching is a thousand pound a month but included with that is you get to live in this five-star hotel you get all your food prep for you and all of that you'd be like a thousand pound a month's nothing so you like it doesn't give you that opportunity to show the the true value and worth of that service if you're just putting the web price on a website but at that point we just put the price on the website so it weren't as if there was no price objection because they knew what the price was before they had the call did we have around like 90 percent close like yeah there, was, there was, hard, was very few there was very few people that, that didn't sign up and in fact you, you sort of mentioned it there there was probably only one or two people who who weren't weren't a good fit um, yeah. and, and were just anomalies in terms of like filling the format because people had consumed that much of our content. They knew what we were about. Like you said there, they just almost wanted to be put at ease that like, and, and understand a little bit more in terms of like how the actual coaching process works. There was no real like selling going on. Like you said there, it was more just understand their, like build a bit of rapport with them, you know, speak to them as a, as a normal human being, um, find out what their whys are, why those you know, why it's really important and that they, they want to get from A to B, talk them through what we do. And, and it was sort of as simple as that, really. How did you find the the coaching process? Because I remember I set it up that once they paid, they went through to an in-depth analysis form. We got an email, I saved it as a PDF, put it in a folder, changed the name of the folder, shared it with you. And because I had, with you, but also the other coaches as well, because the hiring process was so rigorous, pretty much once it was like just take care of them and then i think every now and then we would do sort of um some uh looking through people's folders making sure the check-ins and all of that was done making sure we'd look at stuff and be like right why the hell was that person doing that programming but we we it was very little like there wasn't no a massive amount of quality assurance because the the coaches were so sort of self-sufficient and the systems were in place how did you I suppose that would be another reason as well, as in if there's already a system in place with onboarding and stuff like that, rather than you starting from scratch, from building a brand, building out the coaching systems, building out the marketing, the sales process and all of that stuff. So I can't remember what the question was, Rob, but um, how did you find the systems of coaching? I'm like, how, how different is it today to what it was back in 2014? Well, well, back in 2014 when we did it, we had a great system in, in the sense that, like you said, they filled out an analysis form. It came directly through to me. I then had everything set up sort of within three to five days as we used to we used yeah. to tell them. Um, and it was we did it a lot of it through, um, I think you had Google Sheets at one point, but it was more like we, Excel. And then we had different documents yeah. um, where their training was on. This is what we're going to do with your nutrition. Here's where we're going to start your calories, explaining different bits and pieces. Here's how you can sort of choose different food options yourself based on uh, the calories we're starting you on. And then it was just a case of like communicate with them regularly, have our weekly check-ins, you know, change their their training, programming their mesocycles regularly, make sure they're progressing week to week. So it was really, it was really smooth, literally from the beginning. Like you said there. Had I started, had I not, you know, come on board and had to do everything myself, I would have had to come up with some sort of coaching system to use. Whereas eventually when sort of shredded by science petered out and it went towards personal trainer collective and I was, and you basically just said to me, right, the clients that you've got, they're now yours. You basically just said to me, just use our, 
use what we use and just rebrand it as your own, yeah. um, which is what I did. Now, um, obviously, you've got different apps. So I use TrueCoach, which works really, really well. The, the biggest benefit of it is the fact that everything's in one place. Yeah. So the nutrition's there. And everyone's on their phone nowadays. Like, that's one of the biggest differences is, like, iPhones. Um, surely no one has an Android, but, like, iPhones, everything links to it. If you're using something like MyFitnessPal, it links to it. Yeah. The, you know, they get daily reminders. There's extra accountability. There's the messenger function on there. So in terms of, like, features, yeah, it's great because it's really client user friendly um whereas back in 2014 there was a bit more of a reliance on people to fill stuff in at like their laptop or whatever which was fine because that was just yeah. the way it was done but obviously things things um move on and develop and and i think now it's easier than ever to deliver coaching if you invest in in using different apps and, and developing your own software and that sort of thing yeah we used to Again, because you had a very specific target market, like everyone pretty there was variants to it, but everyone was like my fitness pal, track your macros, macro ranges, exact macros, whatever it would be. Uh and we had a folder. We I remember when I first started, I'd be like, I'm gonna add you on my fitness pal and then I'm gonna look through your stuff and then in the end it's like, Oh no, here's how you can download a report. So each week, download a report, upload it into the Google Drive or the Dropbox folder, and then we could go through and analyze it and stuff like that. Um, what were some of the cons then? Because I'll, I'll interject some stuff now. I won't leave it to the end because I know I forget about it because I've got notes and the stuff that I've not um, that I'm not down there that I thought of when, when we've been discussing it. What were some of the the cons or things that you feel like could have been better? I don't I don't know about could have been better, but I just think, like I said, there stuff moves on in terms of like technology and 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 coaching in itself developed so yeah i don't remember around that time there being any coaching apps that you could use whether it's true coach trainerize or, or some of the I others my pt hub come out in 2015 yeah exactly um and, and again i think it took a few more years for for some of the other ones to come about and, and to really develop um so i think at the time again because of the particular type of person we had there was an understanding of what was required from them yeah. in terms of like, like you said, uploading the MyFitnessPal report, filling out their, their weight, their macros in the spreadsheet, doing their progress pictures, filling out their, their training spreadsheet. Whereas I wouldn't necessarily see it as a con. I think it's just more that nowadays people, we're a bit of a lazy society. People want yeah. everything um, as easy as possible. And, and I think that makes sense because the lower the barrier to entry in terms of it is to get your clients to do things, the easier it's going to be for them to do. So mm -hmm. if everything's in one place, if when they fill out the MyFitnessPalette link straight to an app, if they get reminders and they've got tutorial videos for when their training is and when their weekly review check-in forms are, and they can upload progress pictures straight straight to there, um, and there's like a WhatsApp chat, chat function involved, I think that, that just makes their life so much easier and therefore it's much, much easier for you to get people results um, because the people are already busy, let's be honest, and in terms of who I work with, the last thing people want to have to do is, is sit down and even go, right, I need to spend 20 minutes filling out the spreadsheet, whereas if they can do little bits and pieces yeah. throughout the day and it's automatically linked and then they have to spend a little bit of time doing weekly reviews, I think it make, makes their life 
sort of much much easier if that makes sense yeah what what i found was because no one else was like a founder or a company director of the company so like 3dmj obviously they're all part owners of the company and they have their way of doing it i won't go into detail because uh it may be different to what it was today than what it was in, in the past but what i found was once a coach was at client capacity there was no motivation there's no real like motivation for them to carry on producing content so what we found was i think people would then start not producing the content anymore because like well i can't take on any more clients now so i can't take any more can't make any more money i'm not going to have that so i felt like that was probably the big the biggest hurdle of, of what it would be um and as you said like it wasn't there no it was no one's full-time gig apart from mine everyone else was doing something else i mean i know we had dan mitchell and dan had he, he already had some online coaching clients. So that was one of the things that was like, well, how's this going to work versus you doing online coaching? Because that's things going, well, if they start with us and then they go to you and you're cheaper, or you're more expensive. Um, I can't remember how that went, but it it was fine. It wasn't an issue. But yeah, I know that was a, a thing as in there was once you hit client capacity, like there's no real motivation to carry on putting that content. And some people would have carried on doing it. Some people would have stopped doing it. Um, what was it like? Because we also had 12 coaches at the end i can't remember what was the sort of the the team the company spirit like how was there much communication between coaches or was it we had a we had a group separate? chat and there was a lot of there was a lot of good banter in it to be fair um yeah. there was people like if you look at where people have moved to and what they've gone on to do so like Stuart Aitken, um, Greg Slater, both with Lift the Bar now i think mm -hmm. um Dan Mitchell obviously running his own business and it was basically just like you know, really good, even though some of us had never met in person and, and some of us never did meet in person, especially, you know, a couple of ones that were abroad. Um, like it, it sort of just felt like there was a, a click straight away uh, and everyone got on. And yeah, there was just a, a good level of sort of morale, really. And whenever there was maybe someone that if you were dealing with a client that's maybe got a particular issue or struggle or something that someone else could help in. So, for example, when like, Evan was on board. If it was someone that was like powerlifting based, it was like, yeah. well, I think you're probably going to be better suited to this person. So everyone sort of helped each other out in that sense as well. That's uh, good because I couldn't, I couldn't remember like, it, and it's different from being from my side to then obviously your side as a coach is different, different perspectives and experiences. So I wanted to see that I was like, so when Shirley by Science coaching sort of died down, we went down the trainer education route. How did you find online coaching like? How many clients was you on at that point? I think it must remember? have been. I think it must have been somewhere between like twelve and fifteen. Yeah. Um, like perhaps even more. Yeah. Um, and and like I say, I remember the last sort of six months to a year. Like I mentioned earlier, when you were you basically just said, right, you are our, you are shredded by science coaching now because everyone else had, had sort of gone and moved on to other things. You were transitioning towards that. Um, and I think probably the biggest difficulty I had, if you like, when I went and just did it purely by myself was was like, yes, I had more coaching experience and I'd got good results with people, but it was like, I knew nothing about marketing, nothing really about marketing myself. Um, and, and even in terms of like sales as well, because it wasn't really a sales call when people came through. It was quite simply like, they're 99% over the line because they've consumed that much of our content. It was more just like, 
like the just making sure it's a hundred percent fit for them. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like when I went and, and sort of did it by myself, yes, I, w- I was still coaching people, but it was like, right. In terms of bringing new people in, like, how am I going to go about that? And that was probably the most difficult thing. So how did you go about it? Uh, so I, I basically just sort of got help with that. So, um, I did a couple of different courses, um, invested in, um, a mentor, learned more about that. And it's just something that, as I'm, I'm probably sure you've shared before, a bit like when it comes to like fat loss, people think that sales and marketing, marketing in particular is there's some like magic, magic pill for it, where it's basically there's a lot of key fundamental things that you just have to repeat over time, get better at and be more consistent with. And like, I think that's probably the the thing that had the biggest impact for me in terms of speaking to who I wanted to speak to. And probably one of the biggest things is like, don't be afraid. Basically, don't be vanilla. Don't be boring. So like, don't, like at first it was a case of you were almost looking for validation from, let's say other coaches or you were concerned if you'd put something out another coach would say, well, that's not actually strictly correct. Whereas they're never going to buy from you. So it doesn't matter. So looking at who's my target audience, what are their struggles? What are their pains? Where do they want to get to speak to them about it and, and deliver that through like one clear, concise message, but also in different ways, whether that's like, as I'm sure we'll come on to sort of whether that's through written form, whether that's email marketing, whether that's now like, reels for example through through instagram and and getting a lot of engagement um so yeah it was something that i just had to invest a lot of a lot of time and a lot of money into um to learn and understand and you know like i mentioned earlier there's there's basically key fundamentals that you just have to repeat and get better at and be really really super consistent with and i think that's what makes ultimately the biggest difference did your target market change? Obviously, I know you're looking at dads now, but you haven't. You've only been a dad for eight months. So it's like when, how did the target market change from Shredded by Science to Rob Sand Fitness? Yeah, so I think obviously with with SPS, it was like particularly young lads that wanted to get shredded to go on holiday and look good, and you know there was that was primarily it. Then when I was doing it myself, it was more. Um, it was probably slightly more gem pop that like just wanted to feel better about themselves, wanted to lose a little bit of fat, wanted to look good on holiday. Um, and then as it sort of moved over the last few years, I've ended up coaching a lot of dads, a lot of parents, even a lot of couples. And then when I found out I was going to be a dad myself, it was like, right, I'm really going to hone in on this because I'm going to be living it and I want to have things in place that is basically going to allow me to still train regularly, still um, do things in life that I enjoy doing and we enjoy doing and make sure that you don't, you don't just become a dad and that's all you are. So then sort of over the last probably um, year, 18 months ish, it's been a case of really honing in on, on who I sort of want to work with and, and that's sort of how it's transitioned to be honest with you. When we were traded by science, you probably what had like 80%, 90% male. Yeah. train and they as you said like they were younger younger lads that wanted to get shredded but we also had quite a lot of personal trainers that we coached as well because we did put out more of the science-based stuff so they they would learn from us and then they would also be coached and held accountable by us as well so how did you find 
because I've been out of, out of touch with online personal training and such, not coaching uh, for personal trainers and such, but with how did you find coaching the shredded by science clients versus these newer gen pop clients? Because if I had to give advice today, right now, even for one-to-one online personal training, I'm going, don't target gen pop people that uh, don't know the difference between a carb and protein and fat, that don't know how to lift weights, that are not motivated to go and train on their own. That's what I'd say. And now you've sort of said, well, no, I did, it was more gen population. What was sort of the split between male and females? And how did you find that transition between, what I'm basically trying to say is I want you to tell me it's a lot harder to coach those types of people than it was shredded by science. That's why I want you to, my confirmation bias. Yeah, so when I say gen pop, I probably didn't, explain that particularly well people that still had an interest in in training and had trained but were basically in a position where all they knew in terms of what they thought they had to do to look and feel good was do this the basically live like a bodybuilder the chicken broccoli six meals a day sort of thing or it just wasn't possible so they, they perhaps still trained fairly regularly but they were just spinning the wheels they weren't really going anywhere so yeah, there was there was different there was definitely different challenges because the lads that came that we had through Shredded by Science and especially the PTs, like they love it. They absolutely loved fitness and they wanted to sort of absorb everything. And then when I moved sort of more towards like I say gem pop, uh, but again people that, that did enjoy training, it was you had to do things slightly differently. Um and it was basically just focusing on the real basics and looking maybe more like habit change um, and trying to change people's perceptions of like good and bad foods rather than worrying about, um, you know, exactly how many carbs and fats you've had per day because it just didn't matter. Um, So yeah, there was a, there was definitely a difference there. Um, I think that answers your question. Yeah. Well, where you sort of, or I know you might want to, not disclose but what are sort of your prices nowadays because i remember <laughs> i used to charge i think before i on my personal brand i think i got up to around uh, it would work out because i'd still sell packages at that time like 150 pound per month and then for whatever stupid reason when we launched shredded by science when it's just three of us we did like the first 10 people 49 pound a month grandfathered in and then it was 69 pounds just probably because it was funny in the number. Um, and then can you remember what you was on when we, was it around like the 135? Yeah, so when I first started, there was three, there was, I swear there was three different tiers. And it was, I think one was like 89 quid, maybe one was 99 and then even 109. So I swear there was only 20, 30 quid difference between them. And then when we finished, it was basically when you were no longer pushing to advertise it, it was just gradually just increase it up and it got it got to about i think it was 135 and because i'd started taking on just a couple of people with my own business as well as like the shredded by science ones you were like look if we're charging 135 you need to do the same so i was just like okay that's that's cool me who'd (laughs) never done anything about marketing or whatever just went straight in with that um but no in terms of you know nowadays i don't mind disclosing really so because of um, obviously, like my level of, of sort of experience, if you like, and because I coach a particular niche, and because I know that I can, I can get them results, and I'm, 
I'm confident that I'm the best person for them because I understand their struggles because, you know, I'm a dad as well and, and I, I have that stuff every day. Um, so in terms of like a monthly cost, it's it's at 250 Yeah. What um, What is your, do you, because I go back and forward on the whole packages versus monthly and stuff like that. And when we transition to monthly, but then I've also openly said, I don't feel it feel like it should be either or. It needs to be, it depends. So it depends on the target market. It depends on the coaching experience itself. Um, do you currently, I know obviously you're, you're working with a new coach or team or whatever you classify it as now. What with your, do you go, do you offer blocks like three month blocks, four month blocks, monthly on its own? How, like tell me if I'm, and this, if you are listening to this podcast, whatever, even if you're a personal trainer, you probably are a personal trainer because it's a personal trainer collective podcast and you want a personal trainer, online personal trainer, then I would highly recommend Rob. So, um, thanks very much, mate. It's two fifty a month, roughly. But what's your what's your packages? What's what's yeah? So in terms of how how I put it together, if you like, is is basically like a four month um, four month program. Obviously, I to be honest, I tend to coach people longer than that anyway. Yeah. But the reason for that is yes, you can get good, like you can start to see good results within a month. But within four months, if everything's aligned, if we're a good fit, and we mutually agree on on what's realistic for you in that time. I know that within four months we can see a massive difference both in terms of like physically, visually, fat loss, muscle yeah. gain, all that sort of stuff. But the big one really for my niche, if you like, is like confidence. Mm-hmm. Like when when guys become dads, everything else goes to the wayside, including like yeah. their diet, including them looking after themselves. The they often feel guilty for wanting to do something. Yeah. Um and wanting to sort of put themselves first, if you like. So that takes a massive backseat. Before you know it, McDonald's has sort of become like their main place of... You end up being the garbage disposal, like yeah, kids exactly, link food exactly. and you're like... Because oh, it just... is difficult. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, but then alongside that, I basically sort of had a couple of guarantees where I'm like, look, after 30 days, if this isn't the service that... If you've not been given the service that you were promised, then... After 30 days, you can say, right, you know, you love it or leave it. And then after the four months, if you've complied, I say complied, if you've done what we've need, what I've asked you to do 90% of the time in terms of doing your workouts, consistent with your food, all the little habits that we implement, check-ins, all that sort of stuff, and you've still not got any results, then ultimately you're, I'll give you money back because I've clearly not done my job. So that's how I, um, that's how I package it, if you like. So do they? You have do you have a payment plan option, or is it just a thousand pounds for four months? No, yeah. So if people if people want to pay for the the four months up front, it's nine hundred quid, um, or it's just two fifty for. So um, they have the option the for the, the monthly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you'll you'll remember we you would have had clients for, like with SPS, they used to just they didn't go, did they? They just stayed. Yeah, exactly. And the funny thing is, we. Yeah, we just had people that because they were so bought in, because they'd consumed so much of our content, they were they almost had like the blinkers on in a positive sense where they were like so excited to be here. And and I remember the community that we had in the Facebook group yeah. in terms of like all the there was that many people in there because there was that many coaches, but people were bouncing off each other. Um, I swear we did like client. Did we do client of the week or client of the month? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, probably like client of the month. We used to do. There's a load of a load of stuff in there, so it's definitely. I, I again is looking at how do you 
what's your sort of a re-sign up rate? Like say they get to the end of the four months and they paid it all off in full. Do you then, do you, I suppose you just give them the option. Do you want to carry on? Do you want another four months or do you want to go to the monthly? What, what yeah, so, so basically that. So I would sort of speak to them. Um, obviously we speak yeah. super regularly anyway, but it's a case of having regular conversations and if you get someone to where they want to be in four months, ultimately you've done your job. Like that's yeah. that's what you're doing. And, and it's teaching them and educating them, not just how you get results, but ultimately, right, this is how you can, at the very least, maintain them for the rest of your life. That's where it's different. Because there's yeah. so many six-week transformations that you could do where they just slog you and you're eating 800 calories a day. And yeah, you, you would get in decent shape, but also you wouldn't know what to do after it and you just go back to yeah. doing what you were doing before. Um, so it would just be a case of sort of around the the three-month mark, have a conversation with people, go through exactly where they're at in terms of how they feel they've, they've done the first 12 weeks. Um, and then, so when I when I speak to new clients and we, we sort of speak about this all the time, is like showing people exactly what the journey is going to look like and breaking it down into phases because... Let's say, let's say someone maybe needs realistically six months. Maybe they've got 15, 20 kilos to lose. Let's say they've got 20, 25 kilos to lose. Sometimes it can feel really overwhelming for people. And I think one of the things that stops people reaching out and actually asking for help is the fact that they realize how much of a big job they've got to do. And it can feel quite overwhelming. So if I can break that down into phases and say, right, the first four weeks, this is just a priming phase. We're, get, we're going to introduce new positive habits. We're going to undo some of the other ones that are maybe having a negative consequence. Then this next 12 weeks, this is all about getting results. We're, we've, we're really nailing some of the habits. We're introducing a couple more bits. This is where everything should start to feel and build into feeling second nature. Yeah. And then it's a case of, again, if people need longer, it's a case of just making sure that people understand what the next phase is going to look like rather than going... The last thing you want to do with someone is go, we're just going to put you on a calorie deficit for eight months because it's yeah. miserable. Like the, there's got to be excitement within each phase um, because then people are actually going to want to do it. They're going to want to go, right, yes, I know what I've got to do for six weeks rather than going, God, like eight months time, I might be where I want to be. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, I remember just, I used to give the, the mezzos, we would just call mezocycles for our guys as well, was, rather than here you'd be like, all right, they don't know, what, don't have to speak science to these people, I just call block, this block, or that phase, or that phase. And I remember just being like, always, we'd have on the first page of their, their training sheet, like some of their stats, and then it'd be like, mezocycle one, two, three. I think we had like six mezocycles, and I'd be like, make sure we put something down for the first three mezocycles. And it and I used to just be giving them like I had client George or Josh and I'd make stupid names for their mesocycles like Georgia the Jungle two point or something stupid like that so it had that it's basically just a a strength block <laughs> do you know what I mean but you would purpose it I'd give it little names and stuff like that to 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 get them to buy into it and and you're they can see that you're looking at the long term thing and just like anything with business personal relationships if you've got good communication then most things last and you get pretty good results because of that right, exactly wanna... go on to... exactly sorry go on i was just going to say finish your bit and i want to get into your marketing strategy right now like what is your strategy what's working what what has worked well in the past what's working well now because as we said 
Facebook ain't really doing that well now. So we obviously transitioned to Instagram. So I want to know a little bit more about what platforms you're on, what sort of mediums you use to to get clients as well. But if you if you want to interject beforehand, then feel free. No, no, I'm happy. I'm I'm happy to go through that. To be fair. Um, so in terms of like, yeah, it's obviously even just in the last couple of years, what you need to do in order to be able to reach people to get your message across. If we're looking at at marketing has massively changed. If you look back sort of two years, probably around like the period of, of when when COVID and all that was, was coming into play, it was like no one knew what a reel was. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Whereas now like you've got to look at what you're, you are competing against people's attention. You're competing against TikTok. People, if you, if you watch someone on TikTok, watch how quickly people get bored with TikTok. They scroll every two to three seconds. And I think now it's a case of you can be you can be the best coach in the world, but if you can't get your point across in a either an entertaining or a slightly controversial way, no one's really going to listen. Um, and I, and I think now it's a case of understanding that being a great coach doesn't necessarily build a great business. Uh, you have to have the the marry of the two of understanding right what do and and again it comes down to having a particular niche and what what do my what my niche interested in where do they sort of hang out what are they typically going to watch um and and it's ultimately a case of getting people's attention and making sure that your your message is consistent and it's as if you're speaking to one particular person and i don't think that's ever really changed it's more just how how you go about that now where it's like short form reels are massive um sort of just photos with long captions they're not really going to do it anymore unless you've already got you know tens or of thousands photographer of yeah exactly <laughs> um so so yeah that's sort of how i've seen the the fitness industry shift even just in the last couple of, of years so what platform your your approach to getting clients is video based content what yes. what what after that do you do you do any email marketing do you do any sort of instagram or linkedin or whatever outreach is there any other strategy so i did a, a video today i called myself a short form simon it might be out by the time you you watch this with my uh turtleneck on and microphone and some glasses and i'm getting sick and tired of short form content and i feel like it will have its day i feel like it has different purposes but then I also say, how much value can you really provide in a short video? Um, not a lot, and that's just the honest answer. But if you do it enough and you're consistently, I, I always say like there's different levels of value. That a, an Instagram reel is um, micro value. And value doesn't necessarily need to be like, oh, I've just learned something new. It could be Rob just made me piss myself laughing while I was at, at the office or at the gym. So is there any other tactics that you currently use to then generate leads? Because there's got to be something else than just post a reel. Massively. I think even more so, like I think that actually comes secondary to outreach and having conversations with people. So like if you go back 10, 15, 20 years, people would would walk, not necessarily in fitness, but people would walk the streets and they would knock on doors for business. Ultimately, it's a case of looking at Again, I'll keep mentioning it. Understanding what your niche is, where they're going to hang out and create conversations with those people, but also 
one thing you can use your you use your content for is to is to try and create conversations with people so put things out that people want to engage with and then you know by that it's a case of you can start having conversations with people and and not being not this like cold dming real sleazy yeah. it's it's simply a case of like speaking to people like they're people like you and I are speaking yeah. now and then you know finding out if they're ultimately someone that you can help and if they want to discuss that further is probably the shortest way that I could put that but I think outreach is massive in it and it's definitely one of the I would say probably the thing that I'm going to sort of chuck this out there that probably most PTs coaches etc need to do more of but they look at it as they're either it might sound harsh they either think ah, do you know what? I'm above that I don't need to necessarily yeah, do that they'll come to me out. I can just put content out and people are going to come to me. Like, I think if that's your tactic, you're probably living in a dream world. Again, unless you've already got 500,000 fans. Yeah. So it's, it's outreach is massive. Creating conversations with people, genuine like conversations. Can you help this person? Are they interested in, in, in learning more and, and going through what, how you can help them? And, and that's probably the simplest way I could put it. So when you're looking at outreach, are you, are you outreaching only to your followers? Are you outreaching? Are you using tactics like I'm following people that within my target market? Like, let's dig a little bit deeper into that. Not going over it too much. So obviously we had to stay on the podcast and we went through that as well with him. But yeah, just a, a little bit for the for the trainers listening. I feel like a lot of people. I don't feel like they feel this. I feel like if you ain't got enough clients, then you pretty much would do anything. It's just they don't know how to do it or they're scared to do it. It's the, yeah. the outreach in the DMs on Instagram is the exact same equivalent of a person training on the gym floor not going up to talk to a member. Exactly the same. So. Exactly. And and so, yeah, what you what you touched upon there is, is absolutely spot on. So it's following people who, um, who are going to be your target audience or who you think are going to be your target audience because there are people out there that, that want your help. This is what I would say to other coaches as well. There are definitely people out there, whatever your niche is, that want your help. But they are, just like coaches are perhaps scared to approach someone in the gym, like a member in the gym, or you know send a DM to someone, those people that want your help, they are also scared to put their hand up and say, I need your help. So, And I, and I think the vast majority of the time, it's going to be a case of you going and following these people that you you know you can help and then seeing if they're a good fit and and creating conversations with these with these people and, and doing that consistently i think one thing with outreach is it's very easy to maybe do it for a week and go well that doesn't work yeah you're just not doing enough reps exactly it's like anything it's like all the you know if coaches were to look at their own training journey if they just trained for a week in the gym and went yeah. well i don't look any different and then they just stopped but no you have to continuously do the same thing get better at it you know honing on them skills and that and then that's all also where like you know if if you've if you've got the opportunity to do it like invest in yourself find someone that knows how to do that so they can teach you how to do that and help you with it yeah. um that's that's definitely the route that i would go down nice um What's your sales process now then? So you're putting out content, always everything, as I say, 
the you've got the principles of like training like specificity progressive overload adaptability reversibility and all that stuff you've got the same principles when it comes to marketing it's like well, if no one knows who the fuck you are, you need to have awareness first. Then there's the know, like, and trust. There's other ones as well amongst that, like being an authority, being um, trustworthy. Do you know what I mean? And all that takes time. And, and as you know, there's certain people that find it really hard to trust someone. And there's other people that would fall in love with you and trust you from day one. And that's similar to clients in your business, as in there's always going to be uh, different sort of levels to likability trust authority and stuff like that so what is your you're putting that content specific target market you're doing some instagram outreach you're helping them in the dms you're then what going would you like to book in a chat or are you calling it a chat you calling it a consultation like what's that next step and what sort of that sales process look like yeah so depending on the person i'd, I'd say would you like to book in a would you like to book in a call to discuss it further? Would you like to have a chat about it? There's a couple of different ways that I sort of do and you can do it. So there's the there's the sort of consultation call like we'd call it where it's basically sort of half an hour, like build some rapport with them. Basically a bit like we discussed earlier, build some rapport with them, ask them some questions, some different things, basically understanding like why are we on this call? Why is this important here? What are the consequences of you taking action? What are the consequences of you not taking action? How is this either going to positively or or, in, or negatively impact your life, depending on what you do? And really sort of digging deep with that. Um, and then going through, if you know, if they like the sound of that, going through what I offer, if they like the sound of that, if I think they're a good fit, if they think they're a good fit for that. Um, and and that's, that's it in terms of like the particular um, sort of consultation call, if you want to call it. The other option is, is like a short 10 minute call where it's just like, Rather than necessarily going back and forth in, in the DMs with someone, it's like, look, do you want to just jump on a call for 10 minutes and just sort of yeah. discuss where you're at currently? And then that can sort of be this, the stage between communicating via message and a sales call, if you want to call it that. It's just like, let's just have a general chat, yeah. um, which I think can work really well also. It's the more depth building chat, isn't it? Where it's like, well, I can only do so much on an Instagram reel, let's jump on a chat. And I feel like, because we never did any outbound marketing, like there's many, well, there's not, there's like five or six ways you can then generate leads and, and get clients and stuff like that, like affiliates, outreach, organic, paid, etc. Because we never did any outreach, it was very much, the consultation was like, I'm going to sell to you, but like you know I'm going to sell to you. You know you're going to sign up and you're going to pay. But I feel like we've obviously the, with the increase in supply, as in there's far more, people personal trainers now trying to do online personal training putting that content because when covid hit that's all they had so the supply went up demand probably went up a little bit but not but then they couldn't get into gym so then it was at home stuff and, and stuff like that so the supply has gone up so there's more personal trainers there's more content there's more people going look at me i want your attention attention so therefore with the evolution of social media platforms as well as in when they're new they want to give you a load of organic reach um, because they want you to carry on posting and posting and posting but as they get more mature as a company they need to make money and please their advertisers and shareholders it then becomes more of a play to a pay to play game and we see that facebook instagram tiktok's good at the moment but then once that then becomes a pay to play it's then going to be another platform um 
So people now have to, it's like what you said, people now have to be a little bit more brave and they have to do some outreach because they cannot rely on posting content and Instagram or Facebook or whatever platform actually showing people. And that's just, you just come to terms with it. That's why if you want to play the game of only having one social media platform or not having anything you own, like an email list, a community, or like then that's the game you're playing. And you see it now, people just get their channels just taken away or their YouTube, like whatever it is, they can just be wiped out. So I feel like because people now have to use outreach and it's not inbound marketing, I guarantee that a lot of trainers will be on a consultation. It's a consultation to the trainer and it's a chat to the person. And the person like, what the, like I thought you was just helping me. So I feel like there's probably a lot of blurred lines and it's good that you said there's two options. There's a chat and then there's consultation. But I guarantee if you're listening to this now as a personal trainer, because you're the one seeking them and because maybe you don't have as much brand equity because there's a lot more other trainers putting out content as well, you go into that call thinking it's a consultation, I'm going to pitch you and hopefully you're going to sign up. They go into that call thinking, oh, Rob's just said he'd give me a chat and we can talk about stuff. And that's why your probably conversion rate is lower because your expectations and their expectations are totally different. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, if you to if you to sort of flip it another way and look at PTs on the gym floor, if they don't create conversations with people, they're probably not going to get any clients that, you know, I'm sure you could probably count on one hand the amount of time someone has gone up to someone and said, will you personal train me? I don't really think that's going to happen. So it's like people have to be brave. The worst thing that people can do is either ignore you or tell you to jog on. Yeah. Like ultimately, like there are people out there that need your help that, you know, you can, that, you know, you can help, um, because they're your particular niche, whether that's because, you know, you, you've been through the same journey as them or whether because you live a similar sort of life to them. Those people need your help, but they're not necessarily just going to stick their hand up and go, yeah, I, I need help. I'm going to sort of reach out to you. They're, especially if they're low on confidence, it's just yeah. not going to happen. So I think understanding like and learning speak, just having general conversations with people um, whether that's in person, whether that's in, in your DMs, and then saying, like, look, depending on how far those conversations go in terms of message, you can just go, look, do you want a 10-minute chat? Yeah. And, and it's just very casual. And then at the end of that, if, if it's being positive, it's like, look, would you like to would you like to dis- discuss this further over a bit of a longer term? And then that can sort of be the 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 stepping stone to that. And and I think having those options and making sure that you are crystal clear and you both know exactly where you stand before going into that conversation is really important. Cause the last thing that you want is someone just thinking you're just giving them free advice, but you're yeah. thinking like, I'm going to ultimately try and sign this person up. Yeah. Nice. I think we've hit everything. I know we was going to do, I was going to do um, the, what would I change? But I'll probably do that as a solo one. Just purely because the length is like over an hour now, and uh, we already know you've got a less attention span than the goldfish, apparently. So, yeah. um, uh, anything you that we've sort of discussed, Rob, that you think would be that you'd want to share with the the personal trainers listening? I think um, for people that want to go into online coaching, or if they're they're just starting out, um, 
I've heard people say before, like online coaching is is saturated. What I would say to that is, yes, there's definitely going to be more people doing it, which I think is really, which is why I think it's so important. And I've mentioned it three, four, five times is understand who you want to coach. Who is your target audience? Who is your niche? And learn about them. Take time to understand like what makes them tick. What are their worries? What are their struggles? Where do they want to get to? Why is that the case? But also make sure you pick a you pick a niche, not just out of a hat, but someone who you know you genuinely can help, but also they can they can relate to you. If you're 20 years old and you live at home with your parents, it's probably not a good idea to pick parents because you can't relate to their struggles. And or it's probably not a good idea to pick 40-year-old CEOs that work in the city and have no time because you're not one of those. So I think it's understanding who you can help, who you enjoy coaching, and then speak to that particular person because you know the old as the saying goes it's you know jack of all trades and master of none i think it's just important to go this is who i want to work with and i'm gonna i'm gonna nail that and that might change over the years sort of like it did for me yeah but i think that would be my biggest piece of advice and second to that would be like invest in yourself put Mm -hmm. like back yourself spend a lot of money getting the help to help you get you to where you want to be so you can you know, 10, 20 X where you're at now. Yeah. I've got, I, I can't remember. I've put a post it. Well, I've made notes. I've not filmed it yet, but I'm like, there's a cost for everything. So there's the cost of your time trying to figure it out on your own. There's a cost of it. Maybe never happening. There's the cost of actually paying for something to then for, to someone that's already done what you're looking to do. You don't need someone really high up. It should be like, if I'm starting that and there's someone that's doing it for a year now and they've got five clients or 10 clients and I've got zero clients, is there anything I can learn from that person? You're just looking at, rather than maybe trying to make a massive jump in what it is, it's going, right, I just want to go from here to here. Who's been there? Can I speak to them for free or whatever it would be? Is there a course or a coaching program or whatever it would be there? So there's, there's always a cost to everything. Um, whether it's financial or time or, or just through not getting the results and your point there was like relatable because again people are, I think are coming around to think that they need to target market but even when I was young I was like oh I'm going to target dads because they've got more money and they've got kids so therefore they're probably not training as much and they used to probably train and they maybe was into sport football basketball whatever and I can sort of approach them but I'm like unless you are a dad you do not you can try and think it like you're just not going to be relatable for that so I feel like when you said that I, I had the thought of imagine like you're playing poker your cards are basically you and everything you've done up until that point your gender your ethnicity your age your look, like your looks, everything, your sporting background, your social economical class, all of those things are your cards. And it's like if they're your cards, don't play, don't play against someone or use those cards to play a game that you ain't gonna win. Like you need to know what what your cards are, and then also know, like they're probably first and foremost rather than who you want to work with. Like okay, you might want to work with these because they've got more money, but realistically. Why the fuck would they pick you when they could pick someone else that is far more relatable and has better better cards on the table? Exactly, and I, rem- I remember I remember years ago, people there was so many people like I want to work with athletes. Mm. Athletes are probably the last people you want to work with, or yeah. that want coaching because they're already an athlete, and if they do want coaching, they're probably already getting it in the professional format 
yeah. that they get, they're not going to pay for it. So yeah, not just in terms of who you think you can help, but also who is going to relate to you and why should someone pick you over anyone else? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the point that you made there is, is, is so true, especially online coaching now where people have the pick of everyone across yeah. the whole world. It's like, why should they pick you above someone else? And then it's also coming to the terms with that if your business model is one-to-one and looking at, well, realistically, I only need to have 50 clients paying me £250 per month on average. So you only really need to find, like you don't need, so it's having that feeling of going, yes, there is more competition, but I'm like, but you only need 50 clients. If you're charging that much or 40 clients or then you take more clients on then maybe you have a coach for for whatever reason so it's coming to terms with like yes there will there will always be someone out there that is targeting your target market which uh, has a bigger audience than you but for some reason that person doesn't really relate to them because they're based in america and they sound funny and you you're from the uk and do you know what i mean so there's more the, try not to just yes they're things but don't let them be let them be hurdles. Don't let them be a, a total like wall up roadblock in front of you. It's just like, you don't need like realistically, you do not need to then have a massive amount of following to just get 50 clients. Like you can achieve that. I'd say you probably achieve that if you had a thousand true followers and you was doing Instagram outreach. Like it's not, it's not a massive percentage of like from followers to, to clients. No, not at all. Like you say, especially if all those people relate to you and, are, and like know like and trust you and are interested in in what you do and how you can help them when you when you think about it you're like 40 50 people it's not it's not that many people no, you just um, got to consistently do the, the boring stuff that is tried exactly. and true that would just consistently just do it over and over again and if you're not getting that result then it might be well then maybe i need to post more maybe i need to do more Instagram outreach. Maybe I need to uh, build a community on Telegram like I have right now. So that's what I'm going to finish a podcast on. So if you are, um, if you do want to join a community because you're sick and tired of short form content um, and you'd like to be in a group myself, other personal trainers from like been in the game for years, been in the game for like, we had a few people start off there. They qualified with us and they just, it was their first day, two of them. Uh, on the first day we opened the telegram channel so it's one of those where you're just getting it's just a good community in regards to it's not a facebook group and what i like about telegram rob as well is that you can't just have well there is a chat function but people can't just post it's like having a facebook group but the only person that can post is you everyone can comment but they can't post so that's why i I like it It it's like i can dictate the frequency here I, i can not have to deal with spammers or idiots coming into the group so it's it's a good thing. So if you are a personal trainer, head over to Telegram, just type in PT Collect or we'll put the link in the show notes and uh, make sure you join. We're on 51 subscribers now, Rob. We need to get up to 100. Because when we do get to 100, I'm going to do a giveaway. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something good. People need to get involved. Exactly. Right. Thank you very much, Rob, for your time. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet to the podcast, make sure you have. If Spotify let you give a rating, because if you if you're not a listener of the podcast and you try and give a rating rob on spotify it doesn't allow you it says you need to listen more so check to see if you do listen enough anyway thank you very much cheers rob and we'll see you in a few weeks